Welcome to the Unlucky Sperm Club podcast, where we prove that you are not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. I am your host, Nelson Tressler. This episode is brought to you by the revolutionary goal achievement program, I Got Smarter, Goals Elevated. 10 minutes a day and $10 a month can increase your goal achievement by as much as 95%. I Got Smarter Goals Elevated is available at igotsmarter.com and both on Apple and Android at the App Store. As always, on the Unlucky Sperm Club podcast, we are all about to get lucky with some words of wisdom from today's guest. Chrissy, she is a true hero in my eyes, and I am sure in your eyes after you hear her story. She has overcome some very challenging circumstances in her life. I'm going to let her get into those, but she is a big time podcaster, one of the heroes working on the front lines as a nurse, and her most coveted title is Grammy. So uh, welcome to the show, Chrissy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being on. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I love your story. But before we get into that, I like to ask, what is one bumper sticker quote or piece of advice that we can start to show off with that will have people pulling over their car to kind of write down uh, what you what you have to say next? Well, I have to go with my slogan that I say almost daily, which is, if all you've experienced is all you know, then you are in a deficit of knowledge, right? So simply put, if you don't think outside of the box, then you're going to be stuck in the box. Yeah, love it. T- tell me tell me how that's affected your life a little bit. And as you kind of get into your story, uh, well, you know what, first... Let's get into your story because I, I love it and I think uh, that will draw the listeners in. So go ahead and start where you want and and end where you uh, feel you should. Sure. So I will start where it all began in the Bronx, New York. So born and raised Bronx, New York girl. Um, you know, I pretty much whatever you saw on TV about inner city is probably how I lived life. Um, you know, I am no stranger to, um, homelessness, drug abuse, uh, crime, violence, you know, it it was there oddly enough though, like strangely enough, it was just kind of normal and common for me. So it wasn't anything unusual. So if you never experienced that, and then you came into my territory, you would be like, uh, yeah, this isn't normal. <laughs> However, it was my norm. Um, so I, fortunately I did have my mom and my dad in my life, but unfortunately they were both, um, drug addicts. My mom and my dad were addicted to crack cocaine along with my aunts and uncles. Uh, grandfather was an alcoholic, just it, it ran rampant and it wasn't unusual to have friends who also had parents who were drug addicts. Um, Also, my dad was very abusive to my mom. So, you know, I'm no stranger to domestic violence as well. I am one of six and I am the third. So I'm the middle child. I kind of got a little bit of middle child syndrome going on. Um, (laughs) It exists. It's real because I have a middle child. So uh, it's, it's very real. But uh, 
You know, I remember growing up and drawing these little don't do drugs signs and putting them on the wall, uh, you know, letting my parents know like, hey, I know what you're doing. If this isn't what you should be doing, it didn't matter. They would tear it down. They would rip it down. And if somebody wasn't high enough in the house, then somebody else got beat in the house. And it was just kind of, it was a norm. You did it. We didn't talk about it. Everybody knew it was happening. The neighbors really didn't get involved. Everybody mind, uh, you know, minded their business. But um, I actually thought I was one of the fortunate ones where I still had food on the table clothes on my back and my parents, I still have both my parents in my life. So I was like, ah, I'm not as worse off as anybody else. You know, it's quite all right. Um, You know, I grew up with, unfortunately, friends dying to gun violence at a young age. And it wasn't only till recently that I was like, really? Wow. Like, yeah, that is a thing. It did happen, but it was so normal to me that I didn't even think that it shouldn't have happened um, growing up. So, you know, I was, uh, at that point, I was a circumstance of my environment. I was starting to just go with the flow. Like, this is the norm. I'm going to just do what I've seen. And and I'm going to be a part of that environment and part of that world. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, very fortunately, I uh, got pregnant at 14 and had my daughter at 15. Um, That in itself was an experience. My mom um, was adamant about me having an abortion. You're going to have this abortion. I'm setting up this appointment. You're going. I don't want to hear anything about it. And I honestly thought I had to do what she said because she was my mom. But I was able to get a hold of some people who were able to counsel me and let me know that it was ultimately my decision, despite my age and being a minor. At that point, I decided I, I wanted to have the child. I wanted to do this. It was going to be the most impossible thing I could accomplish in my life because who at 15 is ready to have a child? Nobody, nobody, <laughs> not one person. Um, You also need a huge support system. And my support system was only my grandfather at the time because of the drug addiction and everything else going on uh, around me. I must have been about eight months pregnant when my uncle came up to me and said to me, um, looked at me disgusted and said, you're just another effing statistic and walked away from me. And I think that was my aha moment. That was my moment when I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to prove to you I am not. Watch me. Watch me do this. And that was that pivotal moment for me. That's when I decided, all right, Chrissy, you got to figure this out. You got to get this done. And I look, you know, having given birth to my daughter at this point now, I'm looking at her and I'm just looking at those innocent eyes and I'm saying to myself, I have to do better. I have to be better. And there is, I can't have any excuses on why I can't because this life right in front of me uh, depends on me. Like I am ultimately it. 
I am it for her. And um, you know what? I mean, go ahead. There's so much there to unpack, and I would yes. love to keep telling your story. But man, I just I feel like we're kindred spirits because I think I'm I'm on the other end of this because my mom had me when she was 15 years old, and I remember growing up. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff that you're talking about, I've only seen on television, and uh, I'm I'm looking at you know drug use. Uh, um, you know, losing friends to gun violence, uh, those sorts of things are, are very foreign to where I grew up in a very rural area. And as people have heard my story, you know, uh, I was, uh, my mom testified at my grandfather's murder trial, uh, where he shot and killed a police officer, uh, that that police officer raped her and she was now pregnant with me. And the same sort of thoughts were going through her head as far as whether or not to keep the baby or not. And uh, the reason that both of us are sitting here today is that you decided to keep that baby and my mom decided to keep that baby. So yeah. do, do you want to get into any of that? I mean, because as I said here, I, I'm, I'm the product of somebody else making that decision. Uh, I don't know what that thought process is. And I just wonder, what were you thinking as a 14-year-old thinking that you were going to have a baby and what that was going to mean for you for your life. And I think a lot of people in the unlucky sperm club, uh, you know, are, are faced with these type of challenges. Do, do you remember what you were thinking when your mom's pushing you to have an abortion and, and why did you decide not to? I don't, I don't, I can't give you a specific reason on why I decided not to have the abortion. I just knew that in my soul and in my heart that this, that, that wasn't an option for me. That just was not an option. Um, you know, this was a living, you know, human being for me, everybody has different, you know, views and perspectives on it. My grandfather, like I said, was a very big support system, um, for me. And he was a very spiritual man. So he instilled those values into me and those morals into me of, you know, being able to, to think of a life as precious, right? And just having that compassion and empathy for, for life in itself. Um, the, my mom actually did set up an appointment for me. And she had told me tomorrow morning when we get up, where I'm taking you to the clinic and, and we're going to take care of this. And I ran away that night. Like I ran away from home that night and stood over my girlfriend's house. And I just remember sobbing saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I, I, I don't know why. Um, I think every decision in life has a purpose, whether we know it or not. And I believe that my daughter was my purpose for that, that, for that turning point for me to do that 360 and change my life and make sure that that was that path, that was that crossroad for me, whether I knew it or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I you think know what? Let's talk about that because I think a lot of people in very trying circumstances, they have that aha moment uh, where, you know, it doesn't change your life overnight, just like that aha moment didn't change your life overnight, but I, I bet you it changed the direction that you wanted your life to go. So talk a little bit about that because I've had that experience where, you know, it was in the back of my mind too. I'm going to show these people 
that I am worthwhile, that I can do something with my life. And just like you had your grandfather, I had my grandmother who pretty much every day of my life said, Nelson, you're going to make something out of your life. And she told me that enough and sincerely enough that I started to believe it. And so we have, we both have that one person in our lives that gave us that hope and maybe saw that potential within us that maybe we didn't see in us. Let's talk a little bit about what happened after you, you know, after you heard that and you made that dedication to yourself that you weren't going to be just another statistic. So, you know, it's, we, we call that cycle, right? We call the general generational curse where it's just the same thing. My mom was a teen mom. Her mom was a teen mom. And it's just, you know, something that just kept perpetuating down the line. I, I was, I endeared my, my uncle. Like I loved him. I looked up to him. Um, despite <laughs> his flaws and his issues, I still looked up to him. And I don't know if it was the way he, the disgust that he had in his face that I, I said to myself, you know, this, you have to do better. You have to do better. My grandfather was such a loving, loving man. You know, before even that, when my mom wanted me to, to, to terminate the pregnancy, he hadn't known that I was pregnant. It was that night that I ran away that I turned around and told him. And that's when he became my biggest cheerleader and was able to support me and tell my mom, well, if you don't want to deal with her, I'll deal with her and the baby, you know, and then, you know, getting back to my uncle being another man in my life that I was, that I looked up to him for him to say something like that to me. Um, I am, I don't know. I guess I've always had it. I say I was born in the right century. Uh, because had I been born centuries, centuries ago, I would have been quartered and hung because of <laughs> the way I stand on my soapbox and yell and shout for the, uh, you know, the under the underachievers or the underdog. Um, and I knew at that moment I was the underdog because everybody expected me to fail. Everybody in my family, all of my friends, everybody. Oh, here, look. She did what her mother did. Oh, here she goes again. Oh, she's, you know, calling me all kinds of names, you know, not, not even realizing it was one man that I had been with, but <laughs> it doesn't take 10 men to get pregnant. But, you know, I was all kinds of names under the sun. And I just, I felt inside of me that I needed to prove them wrong more so than prove me right. But I still think at a certain point, when I started seeing my achievements occur little by little, that I now was working more towards proving myself right than proving them wrong. And I think that's when I made that biggest leap of faith um, with, and we can get into that with careers and decisions and stuff of that nature. Yeah, I mean, let, let's get into that because, you know, becoming a nurse is, is not easy work, uh, you know, and then throw on top of it, the, the way, you know, the conditions that you were raised in and then having a child at such an early age, uh, you know, it's going through my head. How does somebody like that even graduate high school? Because my mom dropped out of school in the eighth grade, you know, beca because of pregnancy. Uh, how, does, how does somebody make it through high school, let alone, you know, be becoming a nurse? Well, so 
So there's a little bit, there's a lot, there's a lot of bit of history <laughs> in that. Um, I actually ended up going for my GED, but there's even a story behind that. Um, my mom was, you know, furiated that I ended up to continue deciding to continue with the pregnancy. So I, after I gave birth, I knew that I wanted I, college was the thing. It just, I had to do college. And in order to do college, I needed a GED or a high school diploma. So I asked my mom, Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you take me to school? Have me register again, thinking, right. That I'm still a minor thinking that she has to enroll me in school to get my GED. She would not get off her butt. She was not doing it. She didn't care who told me to go get pregnant. You know, she was not supporting me. Uh, I ended up calling my guidance counselor at the school crying, sobbing, like, I want to come back and finish school. Like I want to at least get my GED so I can continue on. Uh, my mom won't come sign for me. She said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Did you have the baby already? And I said, yeah. She said, well, you're an emancipated minor according to New York. And I was like, I am. She said, yeah, come sign yourself in. And I went straight to the school, signed myself up. Um, I think I did about two months worth of the GED program and then sat for my GED. I'm waiting for my results. My results come in the mail. It's this small little envelope. And here's my mom going, oh, the envelope's too small. You failed. You failed. I'm sure you failed. You didn't pass. So now I'm like, my hopes are all dashed. I'm all upset. I'm like, oh my God, the envelope's too small. Do I want to open this? Open it. I passed. First try, passed. And I was like, awesome. And that was my key to the rest of my life, was that GED. Um, I started college at 17. Let, let's, let's, okay, let's unpack something before we get into the college years. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the crab bucket mentality? Yes. <laughs> um, that will explain. Still tell us. Yeah. Explain it to me how you, how you understand it. And for, for the audience. So my understanding is uh, they say you like crabs in a barrel, right? So if there's only one crab in the barrel, it'll usually be able to see this, you know, sort its way out and get out of the barrel. But if you put a bunch of crabs in one barrel, they all start fighting to get to the top, but nobody, and then they'll pull you down the closer you get to the top to get, try to pull themselves up and it never happens. And everybody stays stuck in that barrel. So do you think any of that was going on with your mom and your family? Absolutely. Um, me and my mom only recently reconciled our relationship and it's still not the greatest. Um, but I felt like she had a sense of jealousy with everything because her having been a young mom and she like knocked four out at once, like boom, boom, boom. Like it was one after the other. Um, I knew I had made my era. Um, because I won't even say mistake. I don't even know that it was an error. There was, a, there was things happened in my life that caused me to be a young mom. And I knew from that moment that, you know, I knew that that's not something I want to continue to keep doing. Like one kid was enough. I didn't need, you know, four by the time I was 20. A quick question. So did your mom graduate from high school? She did not. She eventually ended up in her thirties getting her GED. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think any of that had to do with her not wanting to sign you back up for school or you getting your GED because she hadn't had it? 
Oh, absolutely. There was a, a time later on down the line where I was doing, you know, I was in college doing everything, working everything. And my grandfather would occasionally babysit for me so I can go out and have fun. And my mom was livid. She was like, why are you babysitting? Because this is her father. Why are you babysitting for her? You never babysat for me when I had my four kids. And why are you letting her do this? She's a mom. She decided to have this baby. She needs to stay home with this baby. And my grandfather simply looked at her and said, well, because she didn't lay down, have four babies, get on public assistance, not finish school and do nothing with the rest of her life. So since she's doing everything she can to make herself better, I'm going to let her have a night out. That was my mom through the roof because that was at that moment she got smacked with reality that, you know, I think it's it, it's always a reminder of what she, what she could have done but didn't do. So I'm definitely a constant reminder of that. Yeah, and I think, and I've had this happen in my life too, where um, I've had family members come out, you know, after I've written my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, and come out and call me all kinds of horrible names that I thought we had this great relationship. But I think the, the fact that I published a book and that I had had some success in my life, I think some people take that, that you shining your light super bright is dimming what they've accomplished or, or what they've done in their life. Or maybe, you know, it's bringing back regrets that they haven't done everything in their lives that they could have done. And I think a lot of times our biggest haters are the ones who are closest to us. And I've heard it explained to us, like, if you see that somebody wins a million dollars and you don't know them, you're happy for them. You know, hey, mm-hmm. you but if your neighbor wins a million dollars or your sister or your brother wins a million dollars, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you know, they got lucky. They are this, they that because mm-hmm. we're so close to each other. So it sounds like you had a lot of that going on in your life. And uh, I think a lot of people who strive to succeed experience that crab bucket mentality to where you're not getting out of this bucket easily. We're going to try to keep you down. And, you know, there's, there's two ways to have the tallest building in, in, in town. One is to put in the time and the effort to build the tallest Mm -hmm. one. The other one is to tear everybody else's down. Who's taller than you. And that's a lot easier to do uh, and become a hater. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people take that, mindset whenever they see somebody having this perceived success and dimming on their life. Yeah. And I mean, it came across the board. It came through siblings. Um, I remember my sister-in-law telling me that my brother said the only reason I bought my house was so that I could show off to everybody else. Um, I was like, what? Like, no, I bought my house. I wouldn't rent. Duh. (laughs) But it just, it didn't make, and I would hear, you know, my um, two older sisters, you know, one more so than the other was just like always in competition with me with everything she, so because me and my mom weren't the closest, she clung up, she, you know, clinged on to my mom to be mommy's favorite. And I was just like, you guys are so pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) Like I definitely, but it is, it's another hurdle, right? Because 
you would think that the people closest to you are going to be your biggest supporters, your biggest cheerleaders, and the ones to help give you that hand to get up that ladder of success. And oftentimes they're just there with, you know, pulling you down, just like the crabs in the barrel, you know? And, And one of my speeches is about, you know, why bother, you know, why are you swatting at flies while you're standing in a pile of crap? And that pile of crap takes on the form of a lot of things that cause us problems, which are the flies. And one of those, one of those problems is the people that we associate with and uh, all the issues that, you know, those people bring to our lives. Did you have to get away from your family? And, and, and what, what were the results of that? What issues went away or, or, talk talk a little bit so funny enough I was gonna say you know it wasn't so much like I I couldn't because I was so young I really couldn't get too far away from my family I did uh need some type of support I mean I was bouncing around through family members like you know from one family member to another family member just because I felt like you know I couldn't um get away from the chaos or get I called it the hating I couldn't get away from the hating um, everywhere I went. What I did do was get a whole new group of friends. I will tell you that. That was the most important thing that I did in my life. I needed to be around like-minded people. I could not be around the environment that I was because nobody understood what I was trying to gain. Nobody understood where, where you know, the end of my journey was, Um you know, it's, it was, it's easy. Get on public assistance. Why are you working? I worked, I worked. I have not stopped working since the age of 15. Okay. When I gave birth, I did not get on public assistance. That was one of the, I had three, three, three rules. And that was one of the ones was I was not going to get on public assistance because if I did, that was going to enable me to just get lazy for me. I'm not saying for other people, I'm saying for me, that I knew that was going to be a crutch that I maybe would not be able to get rid of. So I said, nope, I'm going to work. I'm going to put in the hard time. I'm not going to let anybody tell me I needed anything to get where I needed to go. Um, so I worked, I, I worked with people and um, I stuck around other um, single young moms, but who were a positive influence, who had the same direction um, that I did. I also started hanging around older people. You know, I'm 15 years old, hanging out with 30 year olds. Like I was not around 15. My mindset was completely different. I I just couldn't be around another 15 year old. What another 15 year old is going to be like, okay, hold on. I got to go change the diaper. Like, you know, give me a second. I remember working at a shoe store, um, probably about the age of 18 and one of the coworkers came up to me and said, hey, you want to go to the club tonight? And I said, well, what's the entrance fee? Right? <laughs> he said, it's $20. I was like, man, that's a case of Pampers. I'm good. Right? <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what a case of Pampers. And I was, But that's where I was. And I knew that I had to surround myself around like-minded people. And when I did, I started to see myself grow in the direction I, I was looking to go into. So where did that, and people ask me this all the time and I don't have a great answer for it either. So maybe you do, but where, where did that drive come from? Like, 
What, were you born with it? I mean, did your grandfather instill it upon you? Did it, did a circumstance happen? I mean, where did that come from? Because you had to have that mindset to want to be around, not, not to go on public assistance. I mean, if anybody should be on public assistance, it, it should be a 15 year old mother, right? That's, that's what the program was there for. So to, to, to see where that would lead you and say, no, that's not what I want. Like, where does that come from, from somebody who's 15 years old and has a kid and is surrounded by uh, a lot of people who have done that? Like, why was that not an option for you? Where, where did that mindset come from? So <laughs> I will be a thousand percent honest and tell you, I did not want to be my mother. I didn't want to be my mother. And that was my mom. My mom was on public assistance for 21 years, didn't work, you know, had my dad in the house with another income that we're, nobody's supposed to know about. And, you know, and I, I just did not, everything that could keep me arm's length from who my mother was, was what I was going to do. You, you know what, that, that was a driving force in my life too, because I, I remember, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what type of person I wanted to be, but I knew exactly what I didn't want to do. I knew exactly the type of people I didn't want to be. And sometimes that's good enough because you start making those choices to where they, it just gets you far away from where you don't want to go until you figure out where you do want to go. And I think there's a lot of people out there that's like, I, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know. I don't know who I want to be, but in, in your situation, in my situation, we knew what we didn't want to do. We knew who we didn't want to be. And then we started to make the choices that we thought would keep us away from there. Uh, good stuff. I could go on for hours with you, Chrissy, but uh, I need to get in. I have quotes and I'm really interested in, in, in finding out your mindset on some of these quotes. I think you're going to give a lot of insight okay. uh, to the listeners. And I think if it's okay, we'll have you back on for round sure. two, uh, because we're, I think we're just so closely aligned. But uh, <laughs> I love quotes. Every morning I start off and I'm listening to YouTube. I'm, I'm uh, reading, you know, blogs. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts and, and I hear these great quotes and I write them down and they mean something to me, but I like to find out what they mean to my guests. So I'm just going to go through a couple of these and just kind of tell me whether or not you agree with it and then what it means to you. Sure. Okay. Your current condition is not your conclusion. So for me, that means whatever you're going through at this immediate moment doesn't mean that it is going to affect where you can end up. Right. So yes, you may have this hurdle right in front of you, but if you can just see past that hurdle, I mean, there's still, you know, uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, and you, you're living proof of that, right? Absolutely. Because your, your, your current condition at 15 was definitely not where you ended up or where you should have ended up. Exactly. Love it. If we saw regret up close and personal for one day, it would inspire you to do the things that you aren't doing. So we live life and there are many things that we end up not doing for the sake of 
fear or the unknown or it's challenging. So then later on in life, when we're sitting in our rocking chair at 90 years old, we're sitting there regretting the things that we didn't do and the things that we didn't try. So instead of waiting till you're 90 and regretting those things in your rocking chair, take the chance, take the opportunity, take the moment and just do it. Awesome. Love it. Love it. We will almost always find treasure if we just keep digging. So, you know, uh, plant is just a seed that has to be buried in dirt and soil and all kinds of, and then it has to get watered and then it turns into mud and it's all ooky and worms and bugs are all in there. But eventually with enough nourishment and time um, and positivity, a beautiful flower emerges. So sometimes it may be ugly, but there is beauty inside of it. Love it. All right. You will be amazed at what you can become when you do your best. Stop doubting yourself. Like just stop doubting yourself. Get rid of doubt. You'll never know what you could have done because you didn't do it. So just doubt yourself. And then you won't have to be amazed. You'll be confident enough to know that you can. And you did. You ever just wake up and have to pinch yourself at the life you're living from where you came from? You know, I think I'm so busy. I don't even take the time <laughs> to appreciate how far I've come. I have this one very close friend. We've been friends 35 years now. I'm, I'm 42. So 35 years now. And he often has to remind me of how far I've come. He's like, I need you to take a break, pause. And he pauses me. He says, let's review your life. And he actually goes through a review of my life to remind me that, you know, the hard work and dedication and commitment that I put into it has brought me to where I am. And I may not have a million trillion dollars in my bank account, but I am so rich in so many other ways. Um, so that's the one thing I do say that I have to do for myself is appreciate how far I've come sometimes. Just pause. Awesome. Love it. How about this one? Act like you can't fail. Oh, that's easy because that's what I do every day. No, that's <laughs> it's basically if you have confidence enough in yourself, you're not going to fail. So just, I mean, and guess what? Knowledge information and education are the three things that can provide you that confidence to know you're not going to fail. Love it. Last one. Live your dreams, not your memories. Oh, stop living in the past. Just stop living in the past. What could have been shit would have been, oh my God, if I would have done this sooner, if that, this, that. just stop. I tell people the only reason you should look in the rearview mirror is to see how far you've come. You know, otherwise, keep moving forward. There's nothing back there. You left it behind for a reason. Chrissy, one of my favorite interviews of all time. I mean, Thank I you. love your story. I know there's so much more there. Uh, you know, please come back and, and let's uh, let's finish our conversation. I think there's so much to 
to be added to, to the listeners there. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, we also would like to thank our listeners. We appreciate your support. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. I Got Smarter, Goals Elevated, available at the App Store, and, and the book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. You are not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. Available everywhere books are sold, including Amazon and Audible. Until next time, this is your host, Nelson Tressler, signing off and reminding you, don't let your past poison your potential or your purpose. The best is yet to come. Thank you.